Pennsylvania last time he came to America. People were worshiping him and weeping and we love you and adore you and all this. And they all wanted to kiss his ring and everything. But it's, you know, it's not just... Uh, who had their hand up? Somebody, yeah, Brian? I just want to say I was in that church for years. A bunch of ours. Oh, yeah. It's a lot worse than Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch here that are former uh, Roman Catholics and a few that aren't here. But here's the thing. It's this sad thing, like when you try to talk to people involved in any of these religions that do that stuff. Because God doesn't strike them down right then, then people think that He approves. I just mentioned this, not only the tendency, but also don't, don't get in your mind that if God doesn't strike someone dead who's accepting that kind of adoration and worship, that doesn't mean God approves. You know, they told Jim Jones, I mean, before he uh, fed 3,000 people Kool-Aid and killed them all, uh, they were referring to him as God and the Son of God in the sense that you called Jesus. And numerous cults had leaders where the people would basically call them God. And what did God do? He didn't strike them dead right when they did it. They, keep in mind, this is the book of Acts. And God is doing things right now to... Thank you very much. God is doing things right now to solidify the gospel message and the transition from Mosaic Law to the gospel of grace. And that doesn't mean everything in the book of Acts that you see is going to be normal in your life as a Christian. And... All, all the men and women who that I've seen stand in a pulpit and preach that we should be doing the same things they do in the book of Acts. They're all crooks. The ones I know. You may know somebody who preaches that stuff, they're not a crook. All the people I know who preach that stuff are crooks. And they just want you to start thinking of them as being something, something. The man of God. Reverend. That's why I jokingly call myself the most right-wing bishop. Think about those words. It's funny. The most right-wing bishop. Bishop just means pastor. It wouldn't be, if a guy calls himself a bishop and he's pastor of a local church, that's biblical. What's not biblical are the bishops out there who are claiming to have power and they have them over like regions and that kind of thing. That's not in the Bible. But the word bishop just means pastor. And, uh, but the, the problem is that so many preachers today have a cult following. And I'm talking about even some who preach the biblical gospel. But they have, their people are like cultists. Listen, and I've said this before, Billy Graham. If you want to see people treat some guy, some man like a god... As far as anybody being saved under Billy's preaching, praise the Lord. But when Billy got on TV and told everybody you didn't even have to know the name of Jesus and you could still be saved, and in numerous instances, we've got it all on video. It's, a, it's about a one-hour documentary out there. And we've had people watch it and hear Billy's voice and see the video itself. And they still do what? Get mad at me. Exactly. Listen, I don't care who you are. I'm talking to you right now. If I hear you 
any time, but especially among this church family, tell somebody that you can be saved without knowing who Jesus is, I am going to rebuke you. I would love you enough to warn you that you're preaching satanic blasphemy. Billy was warned. Billy was confronted. Some of the biggest names in Christianity in the 90s and early 2000s urged him, begged him to recant, and he never would publicly acknowledge that he said something that was false. But just you today or anybody you know, if there's any man, any man or woman, I mean, you don't have to be a pastor, just be any woman, anybody that you know who can contradict the fundamental truths of this book and people go along with it and get mad at you if you call them to the carpet, there's something wrong with those people. Now, uh, if he would have recanted, then that would have been in the documentary too. And he said, well, we're thankful that he recanted and he pulled it. But he never did. But people think because other people get by with it, then that motivates them to think they'll get by with it. You're not going to get by with it even if you die in this life without having been confronted and so on. You're going to answer for it when you stand before the Lord. But this tells this explains it here in Ecclesiastes 8.11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. These people parading in the streets every June, identifying themselves with their wicked sin, and because God doesn't drop a, you know, uh, A-bomb, or uh, what's that called they use in Vietnam? Uh, napalm. Napalm, yeah, who said it? Napalm. You know, I've often wondered. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I saw one time from a distance what was going on in Columbus, Ohio during those parades. It's the most wicked, vile thing I hope you never have to see. I won't even say the things that they were doing in the streets of Columbus. Police officers just standing there watching it. They were told to stand down. And I thought, I wonder if it would make any difference to the rest of the world if God just drop napalm all the way up and down this street and just wiped every one of them out right now. And brimstone. <laughs> That's... It wouldn't make a... I don't think it would make a difference. No. They'd come up with some natural explanation for it. Yeah. Or blame the deplorables. In this case, the mob blasphemes. It's not a gay pride <laughs> march, but the mob blasphemes. Look at verse 22 there. And the people gave a shout saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. You see, if God really was just being complete justice here, He would have killed all the people. They were all blaspheming. It's just pure idiocy, but Herod believes his press. That's what happens to too many of these people. A lot of the politicians, you see the way they walk around arrogant and, you know, they, they believe their press. 
And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. Now, of course, we can stand there and say, man, that Herod. Whew, how arrogant. They called him a God and everything, and he, he gave not God the glory. Thing is, how many times are Christians able to accomplish something and not give God all the glory? If God struck everybody dead every time God did something for them and they didn't give God the glory, it'd be a lot of dead people. That's why C.J. Stroud, that clip I showed, you know, giving, first of all, I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what did the rainbow people do? Edit. Clip, clip. <laughs> but that's how anything, I love that, I, I heard this very early on as a Christian, and I've said it because people would come up to me, oh, what a wonderful message. Oh, yeah, I used to have a really much better voice than I do now. COPD kind of <clears throat> knocked that down a notch or two. And people would come up and say, oh, that was so wonderful. I just love that you're singing and this and that. And I just got in the habit of saying, well, any good you see coming from me, the Lord gets the credit. Any of the bad stuff, that's me. <laughs> the good stuff's all God, the bad stuff's me. Isn't that true? <laughs> uh, and I appreciate it. I just have people come up to me, that's a good preaching, good message, everything. And I, 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just want to make sure you understand, it's because of the book. Amen. Without the book, I was just a, you know, a, a really bad stand-up comedian. <laughs> Imagine how many would drop dead uh, in our lifetime alone if this kind of thing were typical. You just turn on TV and every day watch people drop down. <laughs> what? Yeah, this would be divine justice. <laughs> and what Herod was smote with was simply a gruesome way to die. He said, should we be talking about this? We have children in the room. Have you seen the cartoons these days? But, you know what? I wish when I was a kid I'd had more of an idea of this kind of thing in my mind. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. And no elaboration required. I'm not going to show you pictures. Here's what it looks like when a man is eaten alive by worms. I'm not going to do that to you. Imagination is just enough there in it, Jim. <laughs> Uh, that's why any, you know, just so you know, we, if you get a Bible with pictures in it, the pictures were not put there by God. So you got to be careful. Sometimes those pictures in the Bible, you know, those big family Bibles come with those pictures. And then you go back and look at them now, and you, knowing the Bible, you look at them, you're like, that's not really what happened there. And then other times it's just like, we could have done without that. There's, one thing that always bothered me is how many pictures show people naked. They make you think that nobody wore clothes back then. You notice that? Pictures, paintings of the Bible from the, probably uh, even up, up to the 19th century, things that people, the angels are always, you know, somehow they're having a wardrobe malfunction, you know. It's just weird. What was the result of this amazing incident and Herod's death? <laughs> 
It didn't cause the world to stand still. Life goes on. You ever thought about that? This is wild. He's the most powerful man beside the Caesar himself in Judea. And he's eaten alive by worms. Who was it? Brian mentioned the COVID thing. I mean, you think about how many people we've seen drop dead. There's always been people drop dead. But not at this rate. On, on sports fields. You used to see once every 10 years or so, an umpire or a player would drop. You see... Every season, several people now are dropping on the field. And what's everybody doing? Oh, well. You can't prove it's from the shot. <laughs> Actors and actresses under the age of 50 just dropping dead. <laughs> Ain't that strange? Wonder what could cause that. <laughs> and everybody just... You know what I'm talking about. We have people we know that we've talked about this, and then like, you just come away thinking, what is wrong with them? They just like zombies. Isn't it amazing? And for the apostles, ministry goes on. Look at verse 24. Read that with me. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Amen. You see, that's what we're all about here. And every biblical local church ought to be about this. The Word of God grew and multiplied. We're not about the pastor. We're not even about the church. I tell you, I ask you all the time, don't just go around inviting people to church. If they're unsaved, it's not really for them. They'll come here and just be offended. Amen. What do you do? In the Bible, they went out and preached the gospel, and when people got saved, they brought them to church. Amen. Over my lifetime, most of the Christians I know rarely preached the gospel, rarely even gave out gospel tracts, but are always saying, you love our church. We've got the best people, the best. we got coffee and tea, all you can drink. You know? Well, hey, that's true. We have coffee, we have tea, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not what we're about. And that's not a selling point. What do we got? We got a wonderful Savior. We have a wonderful Savior and a gospel that will save your soul and change your life forever. And I'd love to tell you about it. And then if they receive that, you know what? Now you receive that, you're now part of the family of God. And... Just like your own family. You can only visit your family when you're in town, right? Right? Makes sense. So if you, you know, move to another town and there's no family around, then you have to find some friends that kind of serve as your family and that sort of thing. Same thing as a Christian. What do you do? Wherever you're at, you find the family. And so you come to the local church. It's that simple. Now, what would, it, what would you think? What would it be like if you got together over the holidays? Hey, you know, uh, you had Thanksgiving at your house, and your family's all just 
everybody looks like everybody's here. About ready. Oh, I get this. I'll sit down and eat. And ding dong. Who's that? I don't know. You expecting somebody else? No, not really. Oh, go see who it is. Go up there. Open the door. Hi. Howdy. My name's Greg. Can I help you? I'm here for dinner. <laughs> who are you? I just told you. My name's Greg. <laughs> A lot of people might say, well, come in and see if anybody else knows me. <laughs> hey, everybody. Sorry I'm a little late. I didn't get the email because I'm not on the email list. Oh, there's a chair. Sit down. All right. Nobody in the place knows me. And then they start serving up the food and I start taking money. How you been? Looking at the kid. You know, you kind of pick out people. He looks like he's in high school. So what grade are you in now? Uh, tenth grade. Oh, really? Got a girlfriend? I don't know you. What? Christmas with the cranks is a movie where they have that. That's actually what a lot of people are doing in the local churches today. They spend all their time bringing in the lost. They're not part of the family. And they bring them in because they won't allow God to use them to preach the gospel to give out the gospel tracts. So they try the easy way. It's not God's way. The easy way is, let's have Friends Day. Everybody invite your friends. Dress up and act as happy as you can and we'll try to fool them into thinking that's where we always are. We're always that happy. Everything's always like this. And then we have Friends Day. And we'll use carnal means to get you to invite all your friends in. Whoever brings the most friends in gets a gift card to your favorite restaurant for 50 bucks. And on and on it goes. How many of you have been in there? Been there, done that? Yeah. Absolutely unbiblical. Has nothing to do with the Bible plan for the local church. What we are to do is to go out and preach the gospel. Now, and I have always disclaimer, if an unsaved person you know says they want to come to church, I'm not saying not to bring them, but I'm saying this, you should try to talk to them about the gospel and also let them know and say, listen now, these are a bunch of Christians. We go in here, we study the Bible. We don't have clowns. You know, you might, you might have watched on TV, got the wrong idea about church. Um, nobody runs the aisles. We don't puke in buckets and all that kind of stuff either. We just had kind of a simple gathering. We all get together. We sing some songs. It's not pretty, but it's a joyful noise. Amen? And then we get that Bible open. We read and study it. And then we pray. We actually pray. A lot of churches don't do that. And then afterwards, we'll hang out. And these crazy people will be here for hours sometimes. Fellowshipping. That's not what most people think of church is. But you do that, why? Because you want them to know that this meeting, if they want to come, they will, we'll welcome them in. But this meeting is for Christians who do not apologize for believing the book, standing with the book. And so especially if you think they're kind of a woke kind of person, you better warn them before you bring them in here. <laughs> you better just common sense warn them. 
the pastor's probably going to offend you. <laughs> Just want you to know that before you go in. Because we're Christians, we believe the Bible. Well, what do you mean? What's he going to say? Well, you know, that uh, sodomites, which you call homosexuals and gays, he usually calls them sodomites. And he says it's a sin no matter what. There's no such thing as gay marriage. Killing babies is a sin. Uh, we're against gun control and Marxism too, so... They'd probably be shocked at church. You talk about those things at church? Yeah, because so few churches function like real churches. So there you go. But the Word of God grew and multiplied. And you name the date or event, no matter how earth-shattering it might seem, God continues the work. So that's why, what do we do? We don't shut the church service down for the Super Bowl. Amen. <laughs> the work will go on. No matter what's going on out there. Just keep that in mind. If you're in a Bible-believing church, that's the way it's supposed to be. And just like nothing happened, verse 25, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. And that verse, like verse 19 served to kind of segue us into what we studied this week, that verse is segueing us into Acts chapter 13, so keep that in mind when we come there. But we're introduced here to the three scripture tiers. Barnabas, Saul, and John Mark. Scripture tiers, what do you mean by that? Well, the three musketeers, what, are the, what makes them musketeers? You're right. See? A lot of people don't understand that word musketeers comes from the fact that they wielded muskets. Probably because a lot of the movies you see about them, they're they run around in tights and don't have muskets. So just remember, what you see in the movies doesn't necessarily reflect the reality. So just like the musketeers wielded muskets, Bible believers wield what? Bibles. Amen. That's your sword. Amen. <laughs> so let's close in Hebrews 4. Hebrews, written by the Apostle Paul, no matter what your teachers tell you. Amen. Verses 11 through 13. Let's just read all three verses together. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. In case you missed it, the Word of God, when it says is quick, do you know what that word means? It's alive. It's living. The quick and the dead. That's the, the quick meaning living versus the other choice, dead. Quick and dead. Living. The Word is living. 
Jesus said, these words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are what? Life. John 6, 63. Life. Living. And look what it says in verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight. The context the Word of God. The words of God. Yes, you can print them on a page. You can burn the page. You can throw an ink bottle and blot them out. That's a physical representation. But the words of God are spirit. They are living. It is something that we don't give a lot of thought to. And we ought to. It calls the words of God here, the word of God, His Personal pronoun. His sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. If you believe this book, and you will put these words of this book in your heart, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. If you want to live the Spirit-filled life, get His word in you. Not just so you can brag about how many verses you've memorized, so that it will actually begin to transform the actual person that you are. It will make changes. And a lot of times Christians just kind of go along and they think, like it's just this way, I'm just this way. No, you're not. And whatever good is of God, whatever's bad is of you. And the more you put God's Word in you and you let it change who you are, it'll change the way you think in ways that you won't even grasp. And the more you do that, it'll be evident to those who know you even if you're not really aware of it at the time. And there'll be more good from God and less bad from you. It's all up to you believing the Word, putting it in, and being doers and not hearers only, as we've said numerous times. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank You, Lord, for this interesting and amazing account of the death of Herod and the consistent faithfulness of Your people who are only able to do what they do by the power of the Word of God. Help us to believe this book, the one you provided for us in English, this King James Bible. Help us to believe it, to study it, to memorize it, to live it, to teach it. We are to be people of the book. And no matter what's going on in the world, what's going on around us, we simply continue to live in accordance with and by the power of your word to the glory and praise of your wonderful name in jesus name we pray amen stand if you can amen god of creation father